And let's stand again. Let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 3. And we want to we turn a corner today away from missions. You know, we spent the first portion of this year talking about relationships. And, and then we came into our missions week. And now we're headed towards Easter. Easter is the first Sunday of April. And it's going to be a great day of celebrating. It's the greatest day on the Christian calendar. And we want you to begin to pray for that day. That it'll be just a great day where the presence of God falls here. And where people are set free from addiction. Set free from snares in life. Their, their minds and their eyes are open to the gospel. We just want you to be, begin to pray about, about Easter Sunday. Which is the first Sunday of April. And from now until then, we want to talk about the cross. Today I want to talk to you specifically about why the cross. Why is the cross necessary? And we want to start looking next week at the words that Jesus said on the cross and what they reveal to us about how we should live our lives. So let's look at Romans chapter 3, verse 20. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Now, this is talking so much about the Old Testament and the law of the Old Testament. In fact, Wednesday night, uh, there's some passages in the Old Testament that TV shows, sitcoms, talking heads try to use to undermine our confidence in Scripture and our, our obedience to Scripture. And so you'll read, they'll, they'll quote this, these passages like, uh, uh, you know, if you find a man working on the Sabbath, he should be taken out in stone. Or if a child curses his parents, they should be taken outside the camp in stone. So what is the answer? What is the answer to that? We're going to look at that this Wednesday night and talk about that so you're equipped to be able to answer that question and so it doesn't undermine your faith. We're going to take a little bit of time with that here in the auditorium. Uh, but listen to verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Who is all? Every one of us. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. For, for whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus so that he might be just God has to be just while he is the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ Father we thank you for your word pray let it come alive and let understanding come to our hearts today let us present your truth clearly and righteously in a way that is pleasing to you Lord we pray in Jesus name Amen Say hello to a few people around. If you don't know them, introduce yourself to them, and then you can be seated today.
I am so very grateful for the mercy of God, aren't you? The mercy and the grace of God, in, in very simple terms, is the unearned favor of God. Nothing we did to deserve it, nothing we can do to deserve it. It's the unearned favor of God, and I know that I need that. I know when I look inside of my heart and I know my life, I know the way I've lived my life, I know I need the mercy of God. I know I need the favor of God. The scripture just said all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. But I'm aware of my failings. I'm aware of many of my faults. And I'm grateful for the great mercy of God. But let me ask you a question today. Would you rather live in a world of mercy or a world of justice? Think about that for a moment. Uh, do you want to live in a world where there's just mercy or does there need to be justice in the world? Years ago, I was driving to a softball game and uh, on the way to this game, uh, there was a hill on the, the road I was on and a girl came around the corner of this hill uh, in my lane of the, of the road uh, and hit me head on. We had about four feet of skid marks when they finally measured them out. Because it was just, it was a blind corner, you couldn't see it, and she was just coming sailing around that corner. And uh, it, you know, wrecked my car, uh, cut me up pretty good, and uh, totaled my car. Now, what do I want at that moment? When something bad has happened to you, somebody's abused you, somebody's wrecked your car, somebody's stolen from you, something bad has happened to you. What do you, what is right at that moment? At that moment, what I wanted is I wanted justice. Now, if I had shown up, shown up before the judge and we got there, you know, for the, for the, to decide what was going to happen, and she walked in the door and walked up to the judge and said, Uncle Bill, I messed up. I'm sorry, Uncle Bill, and the judge, oh, it's okay, sweetheart, I'm going to take care of everything. I'm going to take care of everything. And he looked at me and said, now, your name's Mark, right? Mark Johnson, right? And I said, yes. He looked, I know she messed up, Mark. I know she, she you know, I know she, she cut the corner there. But she's, you know, she's a good girl. She was just upset that day. She just wasn't driving, you know, thinking very much that day. And, and she's not going to do anything like that again. So we're going to offer her mercy. Now how am I going to feel, how are you going to feel at that moment? Does that sound like the world you want to live in? Now that doesn't sound too good at all to me. I wanted my medical bills covered. I, I wanted some money for pain and suffering that I had. And, and I wanted a new car. I wanted some justice. Now here's the problem that we face as Christians in, in America. Christianity has become entwined, embedded in our culture. We have taken bits and pieces of what the scripture says that we like, things that we enjoy about scripture, and we've made it our own. All the time ignoring other parts of the Bible. For instance, we embrace the statement that God is love. That God loves everybody. It's a true statement. It's a righteous statement. It's a, st a statement we should celebrate. 
We, we take that now and it becomes so embedded in our culture that it comes out in statements like this. Oh, a loving God would not send anyone to hell. A loving God would not... Everybody gets to go to heaven. And what we have in that statement is an Americanized version of who God is. And we miss the totality of who God is. Here's where we mess it up. He is a loving God, but He is also a just God. You have to understand this God that you're going to stand before someday is a God of justice. And when I come before Him, I can't say, Oh, Father in heaven, I messed up now. Uh, let me off the hook now. Something has to answer the justice of God. Now, what if my, what if my judge at the car wreck had said to me, Mark, we're so sorry. We're going to pay for your medical bills. In fact, we're going to give you a good settlement on your pain and your suffering. Oh, and by the way, you can go out and buy a new car. Now I would feel like, okay, I have been treated justly in this situation. I've gotten money for my medical bills. I'm not out of any money for me. I've got some money for pain and suffering. And I've got some money to buy myself a new car. There's some justice in that. Now, what if I found out later that the girl didn't pay any of that? None of that came from her. But the judge, he paid it all. He gave the money for all. Have I still been treated justly? I've still gotten everything I need. It doesn't matter where it came from. He offered me justice, and he offered her mercy. I've been treated justly, and she has been given mercy. This is what God does for us. God offers us mercy, and he offers the wounded justice. So, here's what it says in Romans 8.37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says to us, when we come into and we receive Christ as our Lord, when we accept him in our life to be our, our Lord of our life, that he moves in our life and nothing can separate us from his love. No matter what happens to us on this earth, we become more than conquerors, we become overcomers because God meets the need of our life. So no matter what pain I am in, no matter what loss I have taken, no matter how I have been betrayed, no matter how others have hurt me or said things against me or, or robbed from me or stolen from me or abused my life, whatever debt I am owed, God looks at us and he says, come to me, come to the foot of the cross, come to me and I will take care of all of that. I will heal your broken heart, I will heal your bitterness, I will change your life, I will restore and redeem, I will pour into you, and no matter how much this world is, has, has 
push you down. I will lift you up. That is the great message of Christ to any man who will come to him and receive Christ into their life. So you may have been abused. You may have been broke. Things bad may have happened to you. You, are in, you may deserve some just things coming your way. And God says, I'm ready to take care of that for you. I am ready to move in your life and lift you above the pain of this world. At the same time, at the same time, we read Hebrews chapter 1 where it says, God, who at various times and various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself, listen, purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God. What's he saying? He's saying at the cross, Jesus took all the sins we've committed against others, all the things we've done to hurt others, all the things we've done that abuse others, all the things that we've done to break his rules and break his moral code. All the things that we've done on ourselves. And he took them on himself. And in doing so, as the innocent son of God, he answered the call of justice. And he purged our sins. He cleansed us of those sins so that he becomes that we he becomes the justifier and we become the justified just as if we had not sinned because of the work of Christ on the cross. God's justice had to be answered. That's why Jesus had to go to the cross or we would have to answer. Whatever pain we've caused, whatever, whatever loss we have caused of others, whatever we are guilty of causing, whatever bill we owe, God in his mercy says, I'll take care of that. I take care of it at the cross and I will offer healing to anyone who comes to the cross. Now here's an important point for us to capture. Sin is in our nature. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How that sin works out in your life varies from person to person. It, it, may, it may be pointed out in your life through lustful eyes that are drawn to pornography and you continually go back to the pornography. And it's sin working its way out in your life. It, it may work out in your life with, uh, with, with anger. You lose your temper and you blow up and you scream and yell and you say things you shouldn't say and do things you shouldn't do. And it's the sin nature working out in your life. It may work out in another person's life uh, with drug and alcohol addiction. And it grabs a hold of them and it works out in their life. It, it, it can work out in sexual immorality. It works out in so many different ways that you... You may be sitting next to someone, you may be thinking, oh, their sin is working out in terrible ways, very obvious, and their sin may be very obvious, and yours may not be so obvious. But sin works its way out in our life. What God really heals us from, he, he comes in and he heals us from other people's sin actions to us. And he heals us of the nature of sin that's in us that causes us to act the way that we act. 
This is why all sins are the same. They are a reflection of the sin nature in us that needs to be transformed by the work and the power of God moving in our life. This is what Jesus took on when he went to the cross. He took on our nature of sin, being one who was innocent and pure. And he tasted, the scripture says, he tasted death for us. He paid the price for us. Here's one of the big issues. Our sins against others are also sins against God. Our nature is a nature of sin. And sin is our default setting. It's what we lean towards. It's what we go to on our own, left without the convicting power of the Holy Spirit in our life to lead us another way, to teach us another way. That's why we need to be continually be being filled with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, being pouring the Word of God into our life, which is the Word of God, so that we learn a new way to walk and a new way to live and we're set free from the nature of sin and we start leaning towards the nature of righteousness. But here's what I've got to understand. God's justice has to be answered before God's love can be given. So God's justice, he couldn't just look and say, I'm going to pay for, I'm, I'm going to let her off the hook for her sin. He had to answer for the cost of her sin. And instead of making her answer for that, he sent his son to answer for that. So that she could be forgiven and receive mercy and so that mankind could walk under the justice of God. The cross required, was required to answer justice. Jesus, Jesus purges the sin of anyone who comes to him and asks for forgiveness. And he heals us from the, from the feeling and the pain of injustice when we come to him and makes us more than a conqueror in him. So the sins of others don't stay attached to us and hold on to us, but we are set free and we are a new, new creatures. So again, before God could offer mercy, he had that satisfied justice. That's why we have the cross. God wants to give us love. God wants to give mercy to us. God wants to give his grace to us. But he had to answer justice. He had to answer for our sin. And either we were going to pay the price for that or somebody else was going to pay the price for that. If we paid the price for it, it was going to cost us an eternity separated from God. If his son tasted death for us, the innocent one was going to be able to pay it in a moment what it would take us an eternity to pay. The eternal son of God could pay in that moment on the cross justify the work could be finished on the cross for anyone who would receive him and when we receive him he does a transforming work in us listen to what jesus says in john 14 says i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me he's saying the only way the only way to receive the love of the father the only way to receive the grace of the Father, the only way to receive the mercy of the Father is to come through Jesus to the Father. And we do that at the foot of the cross recognizing that, we've, that we're sinners and we need the grace and the mercy of God applied to us. And we remember that and we receive that 
when we receive communion together. I'm going to ask the ushers to get ready and to come and to serve us communion. I want to encourage you just to, to worship with us and to consider the work of the cross today. Hold these emblems in your hand and consider the work of the cross and why it was paid, why that price was paid for you. God in his love answering justice so that his love could be given to us. Let's just come. Receive this offer. Receive this and give this to us and hold it today. With this call of God in my life, this understanding of who God is, and trying to lift other people up, trying to help other people understand who God is, and understand the transforming power that God would bring into the life of the person who opens their heart to him. Trying to tell them about the healing power of God for the wounds of their life that we've talked about today. I know many of you may be here today and you've been very wounded. God wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. And as we pray here in a moment, we'll be praying that God begins that healing work in your life. Uh, wanting to see people saved. Understand that every person is going to stand before a living God someday. And they're going to stand in judgment. And calling everyone to be ready for that very moment. Nobody's going to be able to stand there for you. You're going to stand there on your own. But in all of that, I also understand that there have been times in my life where I've hurt other people. Either out of anger, maybe out of jealousy, uh, many, many times out of ignorance. And, and I, I think I can stand here and, and honestly say, I can't think of anyone that, that I know that I've hurt, because I know that sometimes you hurt people you don't even know it. That, that I know that I've heard, that if I can find them, if I've been able to find them, if I'm able to find out where they're at, that I, I've, I've gone back to them and said, hey, listen, I just want you to know, <laughs> that's not the way a Christian acts. I wasn't acting like Christ when I did that. I wasn't acting like Christ when I said that. Because, see, I think a lot about this moment when I'm going to stand before God in judgment. And I understand there's a great white throne judgment that I stand there by the blood of Christ and everything is cleansed by the blood of Christ. But I also understand that there's the judgment seat of Christ where every word and every action is going to be judged. And I have some words and some, some actions that I, I don't, I'm not very comfortable with going before God. And the enemy will try to beat me up on those. He'll try to pound me and, and tell me, and, and I'll, I'll just you know, remember, hey, I've, I've, I've gone back and tried to make that right where I could. But I know there's other places where I've done something or said something where I can't go make it right. I don't know where they're at. I don't know what they're doing. I haven't seen them in years. And when they think of me, they don't see the shining glory of Christ. They see somebody that hurt her. And, and so all I can do for them is pray for them. And say, God, you know where they're at. You know what they're doing. And I'm so sorry for how I act. I'm so sorry for how I, how I represented you in their life. And I pray that they'll find a Christian that shows the glory of God brighter than the darkness I brought in their life. And I pray that they'll come to the foot of the cross and they'll find the riches of your healing power. I know people who've hurt me, some have apologized, some never have. But they don't, they're not the say of my life anymore. God moves in justice in my life. God moves to heal my brokenness and heal the, the wounds of whatever they've done. So I don't carry any of that with me. I want to lay all that aside and just walk in the grace of God. The grace of God. Jesus paying the price. 
And I'm also aware that I'm going to stand at the great white throne judgment someday. And in that moment, I'm not going to be able to say, hey, I'm a pastor, or hey, I gave money to missions, or hey, I, you know, I did this when I was a kid. I did that. Nothing, nothing is good enough at that moment, except for one thing. I'm going to walk in that moment with one thing. Faith in Jesus to be this, the justifier, the purger of my sins. That's what we celebrate today. That's what we celebrate as we head to Easter. Is that our sin, whatever you've done, however ugly it may have been, is, we'll talk about this a little more next week, it's not as ugly as what Christ took on himself at the cross and paid your price for. You can be free. From that sense of guilt, and you can pray for the people you've wounded, they'll find the riches of God's justice in their life. Amen? Lord, we hold this emblem in our hand that represents the broken body of your son. Where he was beaten and taken to the cross. And Father, such an ugly sight. And yet you took that on for us. So that justice could be answered. And we could receive your mercy where he would be the justifier and we would be the justified. And so today we partake of this as people putting our faith in Jesus, the purger of our sins. And Lord, we pray that as his body was broken, that our spirits would be healed and we would become a people who reflect the glory of your kingdom in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, a cup that represents the blood of your son. Father, for this reason, I rejoice today. For this reason, I sing today. For this reason, I lift my hands to you today. For this reason, I have hope today, no matter what an enemy might whisper in my ear, that the blood of Christ is greater than anything I've ever done. And it cleanses me, it washes me, purifies me. And justice is answered and mercy is given. And we receive that mercy today. And we're grateful for this cup today that represents that. And we receive it all in Jesus' name. Amen. The great news is that the work is done for you. So as you come here today, maybe you've never asked Christ in your life. Maybe you've wanted from him. All you've got to do is cry out to him. All you've got to do is lift your heart sincerely and say, God, forgive me. Move in my life. And he promises that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In that moment, in that second, you don't have to go to 50 classes. You don't have to jump through any certain hoops. He's done all the work. It's a free gift to anyone who will just say, God, come into my life. And so right now, right where you stand, you can say that. And God hears that. 
Because see, God is looking to save you. He's not looking to ignore you. He's throwing you the life vest. But I've got to put it on. Because here's what the Bible says. This is what John says. John says this, that, that, that if I receive Jesus, that he rescues me. But anyone who doesn't receive Jesus, he says the wrath of God remains on them. I don't want the wrath of God to remain on me or any of you. I want to receive that life vest. I want to receive that hope by asking Christ into my life. Amen? Father, you know the condition of every heart in this room. And I pray that we leave here with a new sense of rejoicing that you are our justifier, that you are the one who cleansed us from sin. I pray for those who've been wounded by others' actions of sin, that today, Father, in a new and a fresh way, that, Father, as you paid the price on the cross, that you would heal them from the brokenness of this world and what this world has done to them. And, Father, I pray in Jesus' name for any person here that needs to ask you to come into their life, that right now, at this moment, they'd simply do that, receive you into their life, and that, Father, you'd save them from their sin and let them find your mercy and let them find the growing grace of your presence in their lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you today. Go in the name of the Lord and may his joy be in your heart.